it's Zotime. Welcome to the Zotime Show presented by HoopsAndBrews.com. I will be your host for the night, Daniel Belts, and Laker fans, it's it's time. We have a we have a bunch to dive into today with there's so many things happening in Lakers land. We've got preseason basketball, we've got Lonzo coming back, we've got just so many things happening in Laker Nation that there's just so much to discuss and we'll dive into all of that later on in the episode and if you're listening to this on dash radio thanks for listening on bruise day night um you probably just heard pavi and tpj over at hoops and bruise just do another tremendous episode and just very excited to be on the hoops and bruise team and just continue to talk basketball i'm going into my second season basically with this lakers podcast they're going on i think year three so it'll just be very exciting to see where this podcast goes with hoops and brews and just how far we can take it with all of the great content that we're pushing out consistently. And yeah, it's just, it's so fun being able to talk Lakers basketball with you all because it's just great. I mean, Lakers Twitter, Lakers basketball basically goes year round. So there's always something to talk about and the Lakers always seem to be at the forefront of everyone's mind anyway, so it's just cool that we have so much content to talk about every single week, and boy, do we have a lot of it today. So today, we're going to be going over a couple of topics. Um, LeBron's first games in the Lakers jersey. was expecting it to look weird, but it never seemed weird. It just seemed like it was natural, like he should have always been a Laker. Um, we're also going to talk about some concerns about the Lakers rotation, um, what I liked from the Lakers in preseason and when, and what I did not like. We're also going to talk about Brandon Ingram's crazy night against the Kings and what he's shown this preseason and what he's shown that like he's developed as an individual player and as a team player. Um, we're also going to talk about Lonzo's comeback. He's supposed to be playing on Wednesday night and all signs look like that it's going to happen. Uh, Luke Walton wants to play him two preseason games before the start of the regular season, and they want Lonzo back at 100%. And from the videos, from people talking, it seems like he is as close to 100% as he's going to be. So the Lakers might be at full strength come Wednesday night against the Warriors, and that's that's great. That's This is called the Zo Time Podcast. This is mainly started with just how much buzz and how much just energy there was around Lonzo Ball and the Los Angeles Lakers. I've been a Lakers fan my entire life, but like Lonzo being on this team is like a reason why I started this. I am a huge Lonzo Ball fan. I that dates back to when he played at Chino Hills. Um, just like a quick short story on that. There's a team in the Fresno in the Central Valley, I'm from Fresno, um, there's this team called Emmanuel, and I believe they played a game against Chino Hills, and they got destroyed, but why I kind of like learned about Lonzo is because of that game. Uh, my dad comes up to me and says, hey, there's these three brothers that all play together. Their dad's going crazy in the stands. Um, they also have a cousin on the team, and they've won like 39 straight games and they're the best team in high school basketball and I was like ah shit like let's look him up so I then spent the next like four hours on YouTube 
watching all of their like high school tape when they play with Ch- at Chino Hills with my younger brother and I mean you could see it Lonzo was the engine the thing that made that team move and you kind of started to see that star quality you then found out that the entire family committed to UCLA and it was going into Lonzo's um first and only year at UCLA and it's just once that happened I've been hooked. I've watched probably 20 to 30 games of Lonzo at UCLA. I'm a Lakers fan. I saw all of Lonzo's rookie year, so I've been following Lonzo probably for as long as Brandon Ingram's been on this Laker team, so I feel as attached to Lonzo as I do with all the other young Laker players, and I'm just so excited that it seems like his knee's back to 100%. We're going to talk about a lot of this later, but I'm just... So excited that our main rotational players all seem to be healthy. They've worked hard and they're ready to get going in this very crucial, very important Lakers 2018-19 season. And now I don't know about you guys, but for me, when Laker basketball is back on the TV, the days are just a bit better. The weekdays don't seem so shitty. Like, you roll into a Monday and you're like, ah, it's a fucking Monday. But you realize, hey... The Lakers play at 7 p.m. That's a great way to end that day. So the Mondays don't feel as Monday-ish when you know the Lakers are going to come on at the end of the day. And outside of work, family, and a couple of like really great friends, the Lakers are one of the only other things that I will plan my day around for. Like if I got to do work and hang out with some friends, I will make sure I get all of that done before the Lakers come on the TV because... When they come on TV, they get my full attention, and that's all I seem to care about. You can't bother me when the Lakers are on TV, and based off of Laker Nation and how crazy it is on Twitter when the Laker games are, I feel like many of you follow that same path. And Lakers basketball is back. We have uh, 10 days until the Lakers start on October 18th versus the Portland Trailblazers, probably nine days from now until you hear it. Um, because you probably won't get this till Tuesday, so recording this on a Monday night, that's normally when I do my shows, but I will probably be doing two segments per week once Lakers season is actually underway on October 18th, because I feel like there's so many things that need to be talked about instead of waiting seven days to hear it. I feel like we need to cut that in half. There'll still be hour-long episodes, but I just feel like with the importance of LeBron being here, the importance of our young core, the importance of each and every single game like this year it's not going to be tank season this is not going to be hey let's just try and win as many games with our young guys no this is playoffs or bust so i will be giving you more content from zoe time weekly co-weekly and as maybe even more than that just i feel like lakers basketball needs to be talked about a lot more with people that actually watch laker games and understand things instead of just basing their ideas just looking at stats, which a lot of NBA Twitter media seem to do that aren't Laker fans. They just look at random shit and will tell you player X is not good at this because of his advanced stats or his percentage. I'm like, did you actually watch the game? Because if you did, you will see a different side. But that's besides the point. In 10 days, you will be seeing Lakers basketball back on the television, and our first game is against a team that we've lost 15 straight, I believe, and that's to the Portland Trailblazers. So, 
on October 18th. The Lakers are going to win, and they're going to erase that losing streak against the Portland Trail Blazers, and I'm not going to say people are going to overreact on Twitter, and I'm not saying I'm not going to overreact, but it's just going to be so gratifying to see the Lakers win that first regular season game. It's just going to be like turning a new leaf. LeBron's here, and it's just going to be exciting. And now, so, this is probably my 24th or 25th episode of this podcast. Started it back in January, and I'm still trying to get a, like, uh, kind of like the segments down and kind of like a, kind of a better structure because I do like a lot of different segments, different takes, and I just want to get like a, just more comfortable with it and kind of like a set schedule so that you guys can kind of tune in and kind of have a grasp of what's going on over here and the people at hoops and brews have been very helpful with trying to create that and so this first segment of the day is basically the first topic i'm always going to start this show with a wild lakers hot take and today's wild lakers hot take of the week is this current young core that consists of the four horsemen which is josh hart kyle kuzma Brennan Ingram, and Lonzo Ball will be the best, like, core, best young core once we look back on this, like, NBA time in 10 to 15 years, maybe even 20, because some of our kids are only, like, 20, 21, so maybe they're playing at the age of 40, 41. So when we finally look back on the Lakers team that consisted of Hart, Kuzma, Ingram, and Lonzo, they will be the best core. Because you saw in the NBA GM surveys, they didn't even give um, the Lakers any love on the best young core. I believe it was the Sixers, Celtics, Kings, Bulls, and probably forgetting a team, maybe the Suns and the Bulls. And the Lakers didn't even get a single vote. So I just have a feeling that a lot of NBA GMs might be just a little like, how would you say it? I wouldn't say jealous is the right word, but maybe that because, I mean, LeBron did join this young core instead of spurning all the other ones. So maybe there's a little animosity towards these young core and stuff like that because you look at Lonzo, second team All-NBA, Ingram, second team All-NBA for rookies. I'm just naming off the rookies. Uh, Kuzma was first team and Hart. If he would have gotten more burn in the beginning of the year, I assume he would have made probably the second team as well. So the Kings don't have those accolades for their young core. I don't believe the Suns have that yet. I know Booker was probably first team. Um, Jackson's second team. Bender's nothing. We'll see with Aiton, but it's just funny how they look at these Laker young kids when... Most of the shit they've done is very impressive. Like Kuzma, first team, all rookie. Lonzo was like the first rookie in X amount of years to do 10, 6, and 6. And I'm not including Ben Simmons because he was a second year rookie, so whatever. And when I say best young core, I mean these four players will be... I. I really feel like these four players are going to play their entire career together. They're kind of going to have that Golden State type feel with Clay, with 
Curry with Draymond. And instead of KD joining, if they would have kept Harrison, I feel like they have a chance at that kind of um, building from the ground up kind of like organic thing. Because a lot of the Warrior fans out there will say, hey, we built it organically. Yeah, you got one title with your core players, and that was because Kevin Love and Kyrie got hurt. Kevin Durant joining you is what made you a dynasty. If Kevin Durant didn't join you, this Warrior team is probably not the dynasty that it is now. And that's because Kevin Durant joined you. You didn't draft Kevin Durant. He's not this Warrior started from the bottom, now we're here type guy. Which I feel like Kuzma, Ingram, Lonzo, and Hart will be. Like Those four players will develop into this. And maybe the Lakers win one when LeBron's here, maybe they don't. But most of these kids are 21, 22. So in three, four years, they're all going to be 26, 25, starting to get into their primes and hopefully all together. And that's when the MVPs are going to come, the all-star appearances are going to come, the all-team like NBA appearances are going to come in. These four will have the most combined out of all of the other young cores. Like A lot of the GMs are going to look stupid for shitting on our young core. I have this tremendous vision for where they're going to be because they're just special. Like They're special in each of their own way as well. Like These four are going to win the most rings together combined compared to the Celtics, Suns, Kings, Bulls, and Sixers. Like, these three, or these four players have a chance to do what... How would you say it? Um, they have a chance to do what, like, Magic and Worthy and Kareem did, and that's won a lot of titles together. Uh, because Kobe and Shaq only won three, then Kobe and Powell only won two, but Worthy, Magic, and Kareem... I don't know. I don't think Worthy was around for the first one. But they're going to get four or five together. And that's that hasn't been done in a while. Where there's three or four players that win that like much. You've seen the current Warriors do it once without KD, twice with KD. You saw the Lakers three-peat. You saw Tim Duncan. Oh, I totally forget the Spurs. I feel like every single NBA fan just kind of like forgets the Spurs because their style of play was so boring and it was so effective. But you can kind of see like the Timmy, Manu, and Tony Parker, who is a terrible teammate, kind of like thing going on with this current Lakers young core, and I'm excited. And again, if things work out how I believe they will work out, they will work out I see at least three to five rings in this like young core's future, and I know that's very hopeful and optimistic and it might be a wild take, but I see them sticking together because I just see all of their potential individually as well as together. Like All of their strengths are what's needed in t today's NBA, and their strengths balance out the other player's weakness. Like Lonzo, while he's probably not a great one-on-one -on -one scorer, Kuzma can be. Ingram can be. While Kuzma's not the great defender, Hart is. Lonzo is. Ingram's the all-around player. Lonzo's the all-around player. Hart's a specialist who can be an all-around player. Kuzma's a specialist who can be an all-around player as well. Like These players just fit so well together. And this is why I think Magic and Polinka put them together. 
When Magic and Palinka took this team over, the only young player that's currently on this team is Ingram. They probably realized, hey, the past regime definitely did the correct thing by drafting Brandon Ingram. So we're going to keep him, get rid of everyone else, and kind of just build this team around Ingram. And then they took Alonzo, and then they took Kuzma, and then they took Hart, and now they just look so well together. Then you add LeBron, who let's, I want to say we won a championship with LeBron here. I'm not sure. I hope to get one. But these four young kids, these four young men, are going to be together for hopefully their entire career. And this young core will be the Lakers team that, surpassic, that surpasses the Celtics in finals win. And they have 17 right now. We have 16. So it'll just be that more that much more special with these four young men with Magic at the GM spot just passing the Celtics. And, I mean, the Celtics aren't going to be a joke for the next 10 to 15 years as well. They have a lot of great young talent. But I just believe, like, when you look at the Magic Johnson Lakers compared to the Larry Bird Celtics, a lot of people like to say and reminisce about the... Celtics big three with Bird, McHale, and fuck. I always forget that point guard's name, but who gives a shit? It's the Celtics. I just believe that people reminisce over that big three while they miss that the Lakers won five during that time. And I feel like that's going to happen as well. People might get focused on Jalen Brown, Kyrie, and Jason Tatum. And this young Laker core is going to win more titles than them. And it'll just kind of like repeat itself. This isn't the Showtime Lakers, but I believe it's the Zotime Lakers in the future once LeBron retires. And I swear, I, I hope that we win a championship with LeBron. But it all depends on where DeMarcus Cousins goes after Golden State. If he somehow takes like a pay cut to stay in Golden State, then... Yeah, good luck beating that team, but we'll see. And I just believe the best thing the Lakers, this young core, these four special, very talented kids are going to get is just the mentorship of LeBron. Because these young kids already have the skills. But they don't have like the uh, off-court working habits, the dieting tips, the strength tra training, and they don't have that championship mentality in the NBA yet. I believe... LeBron can pass that down onto Lonzo, Kuzma, Ingram, and Hart, and it'll just be like it'll be like just groundbreaking, like seeing those four who already play the game so well. Just once they figure out the other half of the NBA, because I'm one of those people that believe the NBA is basically like half skill and half mental, because the skill set between the NBA and the uh, D League isn't that. Like, isn't that, like, big? Outside of, the, like, the all-stars in the NBA, if you look at the 6 through 10 players on each team, you can almost find that level of talent in the G League. It's just a different approach to the game. Like, those players in the NBA take it a little bit more seriously. Because if you don't take it seriously in the NBA, you're going to find yourself in the D League. You're going to find yourself overseas. But if you take it seriously, you're going to stay in the NBA. And not only that, if you have the insane skill set that each of these four players have, it's going to just leapfrog you into borderline all-star, borderline superstar levels. And I believe that's what 
long or that's what LeBron is going to pass down onto these kids because you look at it with Kyrie. Kyrie was already the special player in Cleveland. Yes, they didn't win much when Kyrie was there, but he had the he had the skills, he had the tools. I believe Tristan Thompson was there as well. Both those players kind of had their individual skill sets. LeBron kind of helped them see the bigger picture, become more of a all-around NBA player off the court. And I just believe that's going to be the best thing about LeBron being here. And that's going to perfectly take us into our next topic, and that is LeBron James. There will always be a weekly segment about LeBron James because, let's face it, he's the best NBA player to ever step on a court. And he's still the best player in the NBA right now. So, of course, we're going to talk about him weekly. Like, that's why Hoops and Brews started... That's why Pavi started a King Watch podcast. Because you can never not talk enough about LeBron. Because he is this huge figure in the media. He's this huge figure in the NBA. He's this huge figure in just the sports world. He is probably the biggest sports figure that we have. We might have ever had as well. And Laker fans, we have finally seen him in a Lakers jersey in a competitive atmosphere. This isn't just practice anymore. This isn't just like a commercial. This is preseason. And yes, it's just preseason, but he looks as good as advertised. Even at his age, 33 going on 34. He is still head and shoulders the best player in the NBA. And I don't see him slowing down unless he gets a catastrophic injury. He... Looks like he took tremendous care from the uh, took tremendous care of his body from last season going into this season, and this isn't like Carmelo joining the Oklahoma City Thunder at this age or joining the Houston Rockets. This is LeBron fucking James, who is still probably in some sort of his prime. This is like him leaving his prime into his after prime. Kind of think about 2012-2013 Kobe, where Kobe wasn't like. 2006 Kobe in 2012-2013, but he was still Kobe Bryant. He was a bit more of a like all-around player, a smarter player, knew when to attack, when not to. So we're probably going to get that sort of like LeBron in 2018-19. And I know LeBron James has only played in three out of the four preseason games, and he hasn't played more than 16 minutes in a game yet either, which is smart. The Lakers are obviously saving him for the real season because... You gotta conserve LeBron James. Like he is the most important player in the NBA. You gotta make sure that he sees the finish line and gets ready for the marathon sprint and the playoffs. And just even watching those 15, 16 minutes per game that he's been playing in the preseason, you see the magic. You see LeBron James. A lot of us Laker fans, and I admit, myself included, took LeBron James's first what. 14 to 15 years in, in the NBA for granted. We decided to hate LeBron because we thought that he would rival Kobe's legacy in the NBA, and that was just stupid. Just respect players for their individual achievements alone and stop comparing them to players or feel like if you appreciate two people's greatness, it takes away from one. Just realize your favorite player's achievements and also respect and admire other players achievements as well and that's what we should have always done with LeBron James but it's never too late for those of us that kind of took for granted his first 
14 to 15 seasons as a NBA player. We get his final three to four, and he's still the best player in the NBA. So, yeah, you see the excitement that Lakers fans have. If you if you do not have a Twitter, I advise you to get one. And if you do, please follow, follow at Zotime Podcast on Twitter, as well as Hoops and Brews, as well as Hoops and Brews Sports Net. Like, just follow everything that Hoops and Brews is putting out there. And if you haven't heard of Hoops and Brews on Twitter, what the hell are you doing? Because they start a lot of debates, they start a lot of arguments on the timeline, and their hot takes are the hottest of takes, but a lot of hot takes they actually come with actually make sense. Most of them actually are true as well. And if you haven't read it yet, go read uh, TBJ's Why Lonzo is a Dark Horse for MVP on hoopsandbrews.com and just just read it and just form your own ideas. Don't piggyback off of other people saying you guys are drinking more brews and watching hoops and that lame comeback and yada yada yada. Just formulate your own opinions and just talk basketball respectfully. And yeah, so you see why Laker fans have celebrated on the timeline for three months. Like LeBron James is here. He looks like LeBron James. And you see why we are thinking about future titles with him here. I think we at least win one, and I hope so, because that would give us 17. That's that magic number to tie the Celtics. That kind of just makes LeBron makes LeBron feel like an actual Laker, you know? And it feels like uh, if he gets one in L.A., he's solidified as the best player of all time, and that would just be very cool. And who knows? If he wins one here, he's going to pass up a lot of people's individual records for seasons as well. Like, with points, he's probably going to pass mostly everyone. I don't know if he ever gets Kareem. And he's going to pass just so many other records with, like, assists, rebounds, steals, blocks, games played, minutes played, and all that other great stuff. And, yeah. One thing I've noticed with LeBron in preseason is he's letting other players like Ingram or a Rajon Rondo or even Josh Hart or Kuzma, bring up the ball in preseason. Hopefully, that trend continues in the regular season, and including the playoffs as well, because, again, that's probably doing putting a lot of mileage on like LeBron's like legs. Any, any way that the Lakers can kind of avoid putting pressure on him and just taking it away from him, like just as simple as bringing the ball up down the court. If we could give him that rest, he's going to be able to conserve energy on that, play better defense, and maybe, just maybe, continue the trend of becoming a better three-point shooter as well. If he's able to conserve his energy, just like a simple task of bringing the ball up, maybe he'll play in the post more. Just him conserving energy in any, any style of play, just will be huge for the Lakers come April, come May. Because we're going to need LeBron at full Super Saiyan mode in the, in the playoffs to take down the Warriors. So I hope, and then with Lonzo coming back, that's going to take more pressure off of LeBron as well. Like Rondo, Ingram, and Lonzo can set him up for easy baskets in the half-court set. So, man, I just hope... The Lakers and Luke Walton, who I think is going to do a fantastic job at coaching LeBron because Luke Walton is a player's coach, but he's able to get his message across without 
being a dictator. If he is able to convince LeBron to kind of settle down and just become more efficient with less usage, kind of like a Steph Curry thing, then it's going to be fascinating. And you can already tell LeBron is sort of coasting during preseason. And that's that's fine. Who cares? It's preseason. But you can still see that he's this amazing player, this game-changing, team-changing, franchise-changing type player. Like, if he would have gone to any team in the NBA, that team is making the playoffs. And you can already see that even when he's coasting. Like, he's not even trying that hard, and he's still the greatest. And then you can see it when he flips a switch as well. Like, that second quarter against the Nuggets and the second game of the preseason, he kind of noticed the Lakers were struggling. We were down 10, I believe. And I believe we went into the half tide. Or we were up like one. Like you saw him hit that switch and he just went full LeBron. And that's why you signed LeBron for three to four years. That's why you signed the greatest player of all time. That's why you don't hesitate giving him everything that he wants. And so far he's shooting 75% from three, although he's only taken four. I don't expect him to shoot 75% from three, but his three-point shot does look great. And... All you heard in the summer is LeBron has no shooters. Maybe at this stage in his career, like my man Pavi has said on the Hoops and Bruce show, maybe Braun is that shooter himself. Maybe he continues his trajectory of three-point percentage, which has gone up over the years. Maybe he hits 40% this year, which would be absolutely insane. Because he's going to get an op- a ton of open looks from three this season especially with Rondo, Ingram, and Lonzo out there. Just setting him up with Luke calling the plays. It's going to be fascinating. Another part that I'm just enjoying LeBron James is at the free throw line. He's shooting 84.6% this season during preseason. He shot quite a bit of free throws. That's huge for us because last year we struggled from the free throw line. And right now, if you look across the board, a lot of our players from last year that struggled percentage-wise, are shooting better this preseason. Hopefully that trend continues. And the main thing for LeBron James this entire season is just stay healthy. I would feel very sad if we finally get that superstar to sign and then that year he gets hurt. And just another thing about LeBron James, those posters that are being put up in LA, they're fucking dope. Like, they're awesome. Like It's about time that Laker posters are up around the LA area, in New York as well. It's been some time. It's been some time since Kobe had some uh, Nike ads up around the city, and LeBron has those now. Now, you idiots that deface the murals, do not de- do not deface those posters. Like, Just don't. Just be respectful. It's cool seeing Lakers shit up in the LA area again. And honestly, I have not met one Laker fan that hates LeBron James joining the Lakers. I've heard some, like, skepticism on how much he's invested into the team, but I have not heard one person say, you know what, I'm not going to support the Lakers since they signed LeBron. So all those idiots that you see on Twitter just talking shit about LeBron and saying they're Laker fans, I just think they're fake Laker fans just putting up this front and trying to make us look bad. And if they are actually real people still doing that, 
about not embracing LeBron as a Laker are the people that are just pathetic in life. That they won't ever embrace, like, a good thing. Like, they could have the best burger, the best meal, they could see the best movie, and they would still talk shit on it because that's just the type of person they are. So just let them be, let them stay in their own lane, and let's just enjoy the greatest basketball to ever play. And now he's playing for the greatest team of all time. And again, just shout out LeBron James for joining this Los Angeles Lakers team. Like, it's... Man, like, I am just still in shock and just so fucking ecstatic that he's on my basketball team and he's going to be playing for many years to come in Lakers land. Now, as the season goes on, I'll definitely get a better grasp on the format and kind of, like, learn how to structure my time for each topic. But this next segment is going to be what I didn't like and what I did like. Now, I'm the type of person that likes to get the negative shit out of the way. Like, before we talk about the positives, I always want to get the negative shit out of the way. I want, it, I want it to come first because I always want to end positive. That's how I feel like everything should go. You should get the bullshit out of the way and then end in a great way. So I will always do what I didn't like first and then what I did like second. And I'm going to get what I didn't like all of those all out of the way before I get into the positives about Lakers basketball. So during preseason, I've come up with some things that I didn't like and what I did like, and here they are. So what I didn't like. Second unit defense. Terrible. And I know at times this rotation is going to be out there where it's JaVale. Well, not really JaVale, but it's Beasley, Lance, Kuzma. Good God. Like, whew. That is a, it was hard watching that team play defense. Like it's, it's not like they're not trying. It's just, they're all just collectively not good. And what's funny is Kuzma's probably the best defender out of those people, which is saying something. And I'm a huge believer in Kuzma. But it's just when you put those three people together and then you put them on switches, it's... It's a head-scratcher. And I'm hoping it's just preseason where Lance and Beasley are just kind of like not caring on defense because you see Kuzma caring because he seems to be upset when he misses a rotation or he gets blown by, but it doesn't seem like that with Lance or Beasley. So I just hope that that gets like fixed going into the season because we can't be the Cleveland Cavaliers where when LeBron went to the bench... The team imploded. Because when LeBron James on the court, for most times in the playoffs, he was a positive. But once he went to the bench, the team would give up like a 10-0 run. So we just need to avoid being that. Also, we are very thin at center rotation. Like, when JaVale is your best option and almost only option, that's scary. I haven't seen enough of Zubak. Um... They're saying that he was sick for the first like two or three games. And then he did look a little better in the fourth game. So maybe that was true. But we are very thin. We're also playing Gonzaga's Jonathan Williams, who does look better than Zubak right now. But we are very thin. And hopefully Mo Wagner comes back at some point. Uh, he hasn't really he hasn't been able to be on the court because of that knee contusion that he messed up in Summer League, which is kind of scary given our... Um, Injury history with our young players, with uh, heart mis 
quite a bit of games last year. I believe like 20. Ingram missed 20 last year. Uh, Ball missed 30. So hopefully Wagner doesn't like fall into that category and he's healthy for most of the 82 games this season. And then also, what I did not like is our lack of three-point attempts. Like, I feel like we've barely shot any three-pointers this preseason. Like, it's third lowest amount amongst all teams in the NBA. Which is scary. Like, we have the shooters to do it. It's just we're not getting the correct looks from three. And that's just a little... A little scary going forward. I believe once Lonzo comes back, that'll be fixed. But what's also scary is we're ninth lowest in percentage. So we definitely got to get better at shooting the three from deep because that's going to be very beneficial in the long run. What I also did not like is the ball has been taken out of Kyle Kuzma's hands, basically. I, abs I just hate that. When Kuzma is in for the second unit, I want to see him dominate. I want to see him be the sixth man of the year. But it feels like the ball just isn't getting to him in the correct spots. And I believe a lot of that has to do with Alonzo being out. And then Kuzma also doesn't really get much burn with Rondo. So once Alonzo comes back and Rondo probably goes to the bench, Rondo's going to feed Kuzma in his correct spots. And the ball will be back into Kuzma's hands. And once they're in Kuzma's hands, he's going to score the ball on offense. So his numbers, his shooting percentage, his free throw percentage, his three-point percentage will go up once he's playing with a playmaker. And that's what I'm absolutely ecstatic for. So I just hate the ball being out of his hands on offense. And if he's in the second unit, the ball better be in his hands because he's probably the best scorer out of our second unit. If he's in the first unit, the starting lineup, I understand the ball's out of his hands because you have LeBron, you have Ingram, you have Lonzo. But if he's in that second unit, he better be getting the most fucking touches. Um, another thing I did not like was a lack of effort from the vets. Although I assume they are just using preseason as a walkthrough. Um, KCP is looking like jail. K KCP, he is shooting terrible. I believe he's shooting like 18% from three, under 30% from the field, and he just looks garbage. And if he continues to look garbage he will not be in the starting lineup um lakers are also passing up wide open shots like we are overly passing which can be a good thing but right now it's a bad thing and i forget what game it was but kcp kuzma and hart all passed up a wide open three and they did it just to kind of pump fake drive and kick where they should have shot their initial shot and they even got LeBron James a post-touch on that same play. Instead of doing a simple fadeaway from like three feet, Lonzo pa or Bron LeBron passed it out. And it was just a bad possession when they had three or four very good looks and they passed it to Ingram in the corner who was contested with the shot clock running down. So they passed up four really good shots to get like an average shot. So I just hope we get that in sync, and I hope once the NBA season starts, we just kind of click better on that. And I'll also include a worry for the future. Rondo being way too ball-dominant. Like, I, I don't know how I feel about it just yet. Because he 
pounds the ball a lot and then he'll dribble 10 seconds and then pass it to someone and yes he will get the assist but it comes down to that thing where how valuable is Rondo if he's just going to dribble for 10 seconds and then pass kind of like a, how am I how am I trying to word this people wanted to say LeBron might uh stunt the growth of the Lakers' young core. I don't see that. I'm worried about Rondo stunting the growth from this young core. Now, I know he's going to do a bunch in the film room with these young Laker players, and I know he's going to be a mentor in how to win and how to be a NBA pro, but he can do all of that. But if the on-the-court stuff doesn't help these players grow individually, I'm very worried about that because I haven't seen Rondo mentor somebody and that player actually become a better player playing with him. So I'm very worried about that front. So we'll see. What I did like, obviously LeBron. Love LeBron in a Lakers jersey. Ingram, and I will talk about this a lot more, but Ingram been, has been fantastic this preseason. Playmaking. Although I don't like Rondo pounding the ball for 10 seconds, he has made a couple of awesome, amazing plays in transition. He definitely does have that IQ. You've seen the great playmaking from Hart as well. You've seen it from Ingram, and you've seen it from LeBron. And speaking about Josh Hart, love what Josh Hart has done in this preseason. He looks comfortable. He looks like he's ready to grow off of that impressive end of the season last year, the impressive summer league season he had. And he is looking like the likely starter come October 18th. And if he's not the starter by October 18th, He'll probably be the starter come November, come December, if he keeps up his trajectory. And if KCP continues to play like shit. Also, another thing I like about Lakers preseason is Luke's intensity as a coach. I like my coach getting a technical in preseason. It shows that he is using these moments as a teaching tool. He's trying to get his team where they need to be. A cohesive, just all-around team that buys into everything he's saying, so... The fact that he's out there just with this insane intensity in preseason is great. And him allowing the young core to play the fourth quarter against the Kings and win that game, huge. Because you want to see your team close out a game. Like You want to see them and how they're going to score, how they're going to actually win a game when the game is close in the fourth quarter. You want to see your best players play make. You want to see your best players run a play when it's a tie game with 30 seconds left and you want to see Ingram close out a game, which he did. That fourth quarter against the Kings was absolutely insane. Another thing I like is JaVale. Yes, he has a couple of dumb misses here and now, or here and then, but in spurts, JaVale McGee is a really good center. Like, if you, I feel like I have no idea if JaVale McGee has this, but I feel like he has ADHD to where he can only stay focused for a couple of minutes. Because for those four or five minutes, JaVale is a very engaged, very intelligent, very good basketball player. But like, he, ne he needs a break. He needs like a mental release just for a couple of seconds and then he's able to come back in. And it'll be interesting to see how Luke kind of coaches that and uses rotation, timeouts, and f like maybe fouling 
at a certain time in the game to where I believe it's the seven minute mark and the three minute mark where if you foul, like there's a timeout after that. So it'll be interesting to see how Luke uses that to kind of keep JaVale engaged because as of right now, he is our best center. And I'm not sure how I feel about the small ball lineups just yet because Kuzma really can't guard fives. So we're going to need JaVale playing more minutes than he probably ever has in his career. So yeah, Luke's going to have to do a tremendous job with JaVale. And another thing I like is Jonathan Williams, the center from Gonzaga. He probably has outplayed Zubak this preseason, and he was the center that closed the game out versus the Kings. And if Wagner's not able to be healthy by the start of the season, um, Jonathan Williams has survived first cuts from Lakers camp, so we'll see. I definitely do like what I'm seeing from him. And I believe in the summer league, he was also shooting the three quite a bit. He's left-handed, so it does look kind of funky when he shoots. But we'll see. I do like his game, and he seems to play with this energy that is contagious. And now, every podcast, every episode I have going forward is going to have like a spotlight on two players. And this week, it's Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball. And... It's just going to be going over what I see as them, like what I see from them now. Sometimes I'll dive deeper talking about their future, but mainly it'll be just about now and how they can improve. So Brendan Ingram, that Kings game was exciting. Like him scoring 31 points, him taking over the fourth quarter, him just doing everything when it came down to winning time was just a huge confidence booster probably for him. And probably for this whole team, like LeBron realizes, hey, maybe I don't have to do it all the time. He realizes he has his Scottie Pippen. And I definitely believe Brendan Ingram was always more of Scottie Pippen than he was KD. And I always felt that KD comparison was wild, even though they definitely do have a similar body build. It's just everything Brendan Ingram does well kind of fits the Scottie Pippen mold. Which is playmaking, defense, and rebounding. And Scotty could score when Mike was out of the game. I believe Scotty averaged 22 points the season Mike was out. So, Brendan Ingram can probably definitely score 22 to 25 points per game once LeBron retires. Um, Brendan Ingram's defensive effort has been so much better this season. You can see it during the preseason. Like, you just see him just being a lot more engaged. He's scoring 15 points per 25 minutes per game. And if you round that up to your per 36 numbers, I believe it's a little bit over 20 points. He's rebounding the ball a lot better. He's getting five rebounds in 25 minutes. His assists are down, but that's due to Rajon Rondo getting like nine per game. And yeah, just he definitely did take over the game against the Kings. And it's not like the Kings weren't playing NBA talent. They did have Marvin Bagley and they did have Harry Giles playing in the fourth quarter. And Ingram was definitely the best player on that court, at least the most NBA-ready now and the best now. He just looks so much more invested on both sides of the ball. He was giving an interview to, I believe, Mike Trudell that was uh, saying, now that LeBron's here, he can give more energy and effort elsewhere, um, which makes kind of sense. Even though we have Lonzo Ball, Lonzo Ball's usage rate was very low last season, so it felt like Brandon Ingram probably felt a ton of pressure to produce offensively so he felt like he had to conserve his energy for that now that LeBron's here 
Ingram can give more of his effort to the defensive side of the ball, to rebounding the ball as well. And he's using his length to more effect this year too. You can see just rebounding. He gets up a little bit higher, and this is probably due to his strength training as well. He's boxing out just a little bit better. He's using his body to kind of shield players from the ball as well. He's also picking up from above the three-point line, which I didn't see much from last year. That inbound play that he had against the Kings, which I believe he tipped it away two or three times before he stole it on the fourth. Like That was a huge play. I've never seen Ingram do that before. Now, a lot of people are saying Ingram was never playing like this before LeBron. It's just, I feel like he he always had this dog in him. It's just, he needed something to spark it, and I feel like LeBron sparked that. So it's nothing LeBron has done for his skill set. It's just mentality and effort, and that's what LeBron brought to Kyrie, like I mentioned earlier. Um, and like I said, he's also picking up his man about the three-point line, and there are just so many positives when you actually look at him play the NBA game. He's reading coverages better on the pick and roll. Um, he still has his momentary lapses when he does that, but he seems to just have a better feel for the game. And a lot of his like pick and roll things have resulted in fouls against the other team when he passes it. Like Instead of letting the big man just finish, the other team will foul him. So that's another reason why his assist numbers are down. And Brandon Ingram's stats will increase with more minutes. I expect 19 to 22 points per season, or points per game this season. I believe his three-point shot will drop definitely at a better percentage this season. He has yet to make one, but I believe, I believe he's only taken three. Like, he doesn't take many threes per game. I believe once Lonzo is back, it's going to open up the floor just a little bit more. And I just believe the biggest takeaway for him is just how he's preparing for this for these games. Like I said, he's had these offensive skill set and he's had these defensive tools, but LeBron's made him take it more serious. Like LeBron is here to mold Brandon Ingram into this top M five M uh, MVP voting type player in the future. Like I believe Lonzo is gonna make or not Lonzo. I believe LeBron is gonna make Ingram into this incredible. NBA player that we're just going to be shocked that he got picked after Ben Simmons. I believe Brendan Ingram will be a better NBA player than Ben Simmons. And I've said that multiple times. And I believe LeBron is going to help him get there. I'm expecting Brendan Ingram to turn a lot of heads, prove a lot of those naysayers his rookie year wrong, like those Brendan Ingram is going to be in China in a couple years takes, or those Travis Outlaw is... Ingram ceiling takes. I'm ready to see Ingram make multiple All-Stars, make multiple All-NBA teams, and eventually, maybe, just maybe, be the MVP of the league. In the second segment, Lonzo is back. At least that's what it feels like. Lonzo is back probably on Wednesday, and that is huge. Like We get our starting point guard of the future back. We get our starting point guard now. And just hearing Luke's reasoning why they've been patient with Lonzo's return makes sense. When you're injured, you normally re-injure yourself if you're trying to go 100% when you're not 100% with like uh, conditioning-wise. And so they've kind of used training camp and practice to get Lonzo to 100% conditioning before they put him in a game, which is the correct way, the cautious way to approach this thing. Especially when you see the bigger picture like Lou Walton and Magic do. Um, Luke Walton also says Lonzo feels great, looks great, so all signs point to him playing Wednesday against the Warriors. 
and I'm excited to see Lonzo back in NBA action. It's been, I believe, since March. And with knee injuries, you've got to be careful. Just look at Deontay Murray today. Tore his ACL in a preseason game. A non-contact injury, too, so you got to be careful with knees and the fact that they believe Lonzo's knee is now at 100%, his conditioning is 100%, that takes away some of the risk from re-injuring that knee. So Luke looked at the bigger picture, and it seemed like our whole team, like front office team did as well. And with Lonzo back, our team will be at full strength. We get the 10-6-6 rookie player that I believe was very underrated by the rest of the NBA. And the biggest weaknesses that the Lakers have right now in preseason is defense and rebounding, which happens to be Lonzo's, like, two of Lonzo's, like, key areas of impact on this team. He is probably top three on team for defense, top three for rebounding as well. So his return will help that. It'll help right the ship. It'll make us not look as lost during some minutes on the court. And the first thing I want to see from Lonzo Ball is nothing basketball related. I just want to see his body hold up. And I want to see him being able to play without dis without any discomfort. And then cool. I want to see on the thing I want to see the things that he worked on this summer, although he was injured for most of it. He probably still was able to get some stuff corrected, stuff fixed, some new things into his game as well. I want to see his shot. I want to see his free throw percentage and three-point per, three percentage improve. And I just see all of these things happening. And then you saw, if you follow Zotime Podcast on Twitter, you'd have seen that I kind of fangirled when LeBron posted that picture of LeBron and Lonzo today. And I've never seen LeBron give a teammate a shout-out like that besides Kevin Love. And it damn near made me cry. And I will read it word for word because like it was just significant to me lebron goes it's about that time young king let's get it you were you was born for this moment hashtag king me hashtag zo2 and that took me out seeing him tell lonzo king me seeing him call lonzo young king him saying let's get it he's saying you were born for this like it whoo that's a fire ass endorsement for who law or who lebron wants as his point guard and the king is ready to mold lonzo and it feels like lonzo is just more nba ready this go around i don't mind him dropping music i don't mind all the other attention but it seems like he just has a better handle for the nba grind than last season and i cannot wait to see lonzo shut all these haters up and I still definitely do believe that he is the best player out of the 2017 draft class. He's going to be better than Donovan Mitchell when it's all said and done. He's going to be better than Jason Tatum when it's all said and done. So again, I might be giving you some hot takes individually with each of these segments. But I definitely do believe Lonzo is going to be that kind of player. He's going to impact the game in more ways than just scoring. Because the players I just mentioned above, like Tatum and Mitchell... Honestly, all they do better right now is score. Alonzo does everything else better. So once Alonzo is able to catch up in the scoring category, it's a GG for the rest of the league. And the last segment for each week, for each of these shows, is going to be predicting the Lakers week. And going forward, we're going to look back on it in 
I will tell you what I got right, and I'll tell you what I just completely fucked up on. So we can kind of keep me accountable with all these wild takes and all these nonsense that I'm saying. And we got two games against the Golden State Warriors this week, and fuck it. The Lakers are going to go 2-0 against the Golden State Warriors this week. Mainly because I don't know how seriously the Warriors are going to take it. And I feel like the Lakers want to make a statement. So I feel like there's that's two of the reasonings why the Lakers will go 2-0 against the Warriors this week. And also, if the Lakers do go 2-0, you better block Hoops and Bruise. You better block Pavi because he's going to make one hell of a scene if the Lakers actually do sweep the Warriors. And already, like, I'm just excited and happy that I'm going to be able to see that because I believe they're going to go 2-0. And anytime Pavi gets the timeline going crazy, I just sit back and laugh and I crack open a beer and just... It's one of the funniest things that happens on Twitter, and it seems like the only people that have a problem with Pavi's takes are Warriors fans that just became Warriors fans three years ago. Because... The Warriors fans that have been Warriors fans for their entire life actually have some humility. The Warrior fans are just Warrior fans now because of Steph Curry are a little bit more, um, how would you call it? They feel entitled, which is funny for being a bandwagon fan, but whatever. Um, yeah. And hopefully the starters outscore the Warriors starters, which is the only thing that kind of matters in preseason. Like, you want to see the Lakers' best lineup outscore the Warriors' best lineup, although I know Boogie won't be playing. But you get what I mean. Like, you want to see LeBron's starting five outscore Kevin Durant's starting five. And that's what actually matters. And then also, I'm very much hopeful that Josh Hart's hamstring injury isn't that serious. It's just like a precaution why he set out practice after tweaking the hamstring and if I know anything about the Lakers training staff I'm going to predict that he sits out both of the remaining games for the preseason and he's ready to go by the pre the regular season opener on October 18th and well that'll be it for the show that'll be it for this week I'll talk to you guys probably next Monday and during the week make sure you follow along daily on Zotime Podcast as well as you follow Hoops and Brews, and you follow everything else that we're kind of pushing out. I know uh, TPJ's putting a whole bunch of video games on his uh, YouTube feed, so go ahead and follow that at uh, TPJ, TPJ Games. And hit me with whatever questions or comments you guys have during the week about Lakers basketball, about what I see happening with the rotation, with who I think starts, with all of that good stuff. And... This has been a Hoops and Brews production, and until the next time we speak, go Lakers.